Hi friends, Gerald Law here. Welcome to the Love Lake Norman podcast. Love Lake Norman is a church in Cornelius, North Carolina, whose mission is to help people find and follow Jesus. You're about to hear a message that will be helpful and hopeful. Our goal is to encourage you to take the next step in your faith. Wherever you are, we want you to know that God has a plan and a purpose for you. Thanks for spending time with us today. We hope you enjoy this message. Hey guys, again, welcome. My name's Gerald and I'm a lead pastor here. And before I jump into part four of this series, hey, if you are interested in being baptized today, I hope you saw the baptism pool out front. It's something that we do about twice a year. And if you're interested in that today, and if you've said yes to Jesus, but you haven't been baptized in your life and, and you're feeling like I'm ready to take that step, um, you can do that today. And we've taken away some of the excuses. So we have swimsuits, all right? We have shirts. We will get you all hooked up and, and you can take that step today. It's something that actually Jesus commands of all of his followers. He says, go and be baptized. If you trusted in me, you don't have to have your together. You don't have to have anything together. You just need to step forward and do that. And so if uh, during this worship experience today, you start to feel led in that direction, I want you to invite you to come and talk to Ethan Pope, who's going to be at the Info Center, and he can uh, help you kind of get connected into that today. But that can happen uh, for you today, which would be incredible, right? I mean, it, and it's a celebration. Like we see it as a party. We see it as just an amazing thing to celebrate together. Um, so today's part four of our series called Too Busy Not to pray, and uh, I don't know if you have any enemies. Does anybody have any enemies? Like, you have people you can sit, there are people raising their hands, enemy, I, <laughs> do you wanna share? Uh, <laughs> I'm not asking you. Uh, I don't feel like I have any enemies. I mean, I, I uh, got in a fight when I was in sixth grade with an eighth grader. That was a bad mistake by me, all right? A bad mistake by me. Uh, his name was David. He was a guy down the street. That he, we were friends, and all of a sudden, we got into this fight. But he, I didn't consider him my enemy. I don't consider that to be him, him to be my enemy now. I had a boss one time who made it really hard for me. Like, he made life really difficult for me, but I, I never considered him to be an, an enemy of of mine. I don't think I've ever really had an enemy. I have a neighbor who sometimes gets on my nerves, but he's like, he's not really, uh, I mean, he does weird things sometimes, but he's not really an enemy. I hope he's not here. Um, uh, There are people in my life who believe things that I don't, and people who uh, don't believe the things that I believe. But let me tell you, those people are not my enemy, all right? And they are not your enemy either, even if sometimes the church says that they are. They are not uh, my enemy. So this series is, is actually all about how to have an authentic spiritual life. An authentic spiritual life. Not just to do this. I mean, what you're doing today is great. Like you're here, you're engaged, you're, you're here at church, but it's not just about coming to church. It's not just about saying some rote prayer. It's not uh, having this ineffective sort of, sort of life. It's not just about having an external spiritual life, where I do all of these things, but I'm dry on the inside. An authentic spiritual life is about living from the inside of my life out. And, and this is what it looks like, where, where God speaks and you listen, where, where you speak and, and you know that God is listening. It's the kind of life that's unpredictable in the best kind of, of way because you're listening to God and you're responding to him and you're, you're, you're kind of moving through life and you never quite know what he's gonna do, you never quite know what he's going to say, and, and for that kind of life, there is an enemy. 
And, and I don't know if you would say this, at least on, on, uh, on face value, that, that you would guess that this is the enemy, except that it's actually in the title of this series. The enemy of the authentic spiritual life. The enemy of the authentic spiritual life is busyness. I almost heard an amen there. <laughs> right? It's busyness. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a fan of John Ortberg, who's a writer and a pastor. He tells this story about when he got a job at this big church in Chicago, and he knew that he was going to be on this large staff team, and there were going to be all these pressures. There's gonna be people, there's gonna be counseling, there's gonna be meetings he had to attend all the time, there's gonna be a lot of teaching he had to do, there's gonna be all this planning that he had to, to do, and so he went to his friend Dallas Willard. Now Dallas Willard was another writer who passed away not long ago, but he was, in the last 50 years, one of the greatest writers on what it looks like to have an authentic spiritual life. Go look up Dallas Willard if you wanna read and dig in to some amazing things about the spiritual life. But he goes to Dallas Willard and he says, I'm getting ready to go into this job. What do I need to do to be spiritually healthy? What do I need to do to be spiritually healthy? He asks Dallas Willard this and, and uh, Willard has this long pause in this conversation and he says this. He has a long pause and then he says, you must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. You must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. And, and Ortberg says that he, he like wrote that down and he's like, okay, okay, that's good, that's good. What's next, what do you got? Like I'm on a schedule here. <laughs> and Willard uh, looks back at him and he replies, there's nothing else. There's nothing else. The writer of the Psalms, David, says this, uh, and I think he's saying the same thing. He's speaking for God here, and he says, be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. I, I, I think that the number of, of Christians who can actually do this, to be still and, and to hear from God is very, very low. But you know this, it's right there in front of you. Like it's right there in front of us, that opportunity to do that. Here, here's what happens. We live, we wake up, and we, we go automatically to like 8,000 RPMs. We, we wake up and we just go, and our minds just kind of go and go and go, and we live our days at this high, high level of speed, trying to get everything done that we need to get done, and then we hit the pillow that night, and we collapse, and then we do it all over again, and you know that it's impossible to hear anything when you're running at 8,000 RPMs. It's impossible to hear anything when you're running that fast. The spiritual life has been described as a walk. I don't know if you've heard people say, talk about my walk with Jesus, and it sounds very Christian-y these days, but, but it's actually a really good word, that word walk, because it is about walking with Jesus. It's like you're on a journey with Jesus together. You're walking, you and Jesus, you're walking with the living God who wants to speak life into you and speak into your life. The living God who has things to say to you. You know this, the heartbeat of the Christian life, the heartbeat of the Christian life is learning to hear God's voice and developing the courage to do what he tells us to do. That's, that's like at its heart. On the inside, the heartbeat is, is learning to hear God's voice and developing the courage then to do what he's asking you to do. And if you do that, here, here's what'll happen. The people in my life that I know who do this, they march to a different drum. They, they have 
character that is just deeper, on a, on a deeper level than, than many others. It's, it's a rare thing. They're willing to chart a different course. They're willing to do things that sometimes other people think are, are crazy. They're willing to take a step out of the norm because this is what God is inviting them to do. If this is you, you're brave. You're, you're, you're courageous. You're joyful in difficult circumstances and you have this wisdom that's beyond your years. That's what it looks like to follow Jesus. And it's inspiring. And all of this outward stuff, right? The, the worship and the messages that we listen to and the, and the serving and the giving, it's all important, but it doesn't mean anything if it's not rooted in a growing relationship with Christ. It doesn't mean anything if it's not rooted there, and there's no way around this. There's no way around this one fact that the key ingredient to being an authentic Christian is this word here, time. Time, unhurried, unrushed, time. There's no substitute for it. Now, Jesus probably had the most demanding role and the most demanding life that, that we could ever even imagine. He's probably had a more demanding schedule than you do. Okay, there were people coming at him all the time, asking for a blessing, asking for healing, asking for his input or giving their input into his life, asking for debate over and over and over again. I mean, being Jesus had to be exhausting, right? Like, and we tend to think, well, Jesus was such a people person and he, he, he was like, I guess the ultimate people person. But do you know this about Jesus, the, the ultimate people person? There are times where Jesus chose solitude over people. There are times where he actively chose solitude over people. There were a lot of times in Jesus' life, in fact, and I wanna share some of these times with you, some of these places where he chose solitude over people. There are a lot of places in his life where, where he chose to spend time alone in prayer. Luke records one of these where he just says, but Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and he prayed. Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and he prayed. Uh, Jesus chose solitude to focus on prayer. He chose solitude to focus on prayer. There was this one time where Jesus sent out the 12 disciples. He sent them out to do, to, to, to do ministry. Like he sent them out and he said, go, I want you to do all these things. And they returned and they had worked really hard. And Jesus tells them, I want you to now separate from everybody else. I want you to separate from these people and I want you to rest. Here's what... Um, Mark says about this, he says that the apostles gathered around Jesus, they reported to him all that they had done and all that they had taught. And then because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat, he said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. Do you imagine Jesus, in fact, would, would you imagine right now him saying those words to you? Come with me to a quiet place by yourself and get some rest. What an invitation. What, what, what an invitation. Jesus chose solitude to recharge after hard work, and he invited others to do the same thing. He chose solitude to recharge after hard work. He also, there was this time where he learned that his, uh, his cousin, he was really close to, John the Baptist had been beheaded. Like he'd been killed. And in that moment, Jesus goes away. It says this in Matthew. Matthew says that when Jesus heard what had happened, um, he withdrew by a boat privately to a solitary place. He withdrew by a boat to a solitary place. Jesus chose solitude to work through grief. 
Imagine the Son of God. The Son of God grieves. The Son of God experienced grief. Jesus chose solitude to work through grief. Even the Son of God grieves. There's another point where early in Jesus' ministry, uh, he spent the night alone in prayer, and then the next day he he had this big decision to make. He was like, who are gonna be the closest among me? And so he chose the 12 disciples. But but before that, he spent the night alone in prayer. It says uh, this in the book of Luke. Luke says that one of those days, Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray, and he spent the night praying to God, when morning came, he called his disciples to him and chose 12 of them whom he also designated apostles. You know, Jesus chose solitude. He chose that, he chose to go away before making an important decision. Before making an important decision. And then, just hours before he was arrested, he goes to a place called the Mount of Olives and he went a short distance from the disciples. He took the disciples with him, but he walks a short distance away and he begins to pray and he experiences this great emotional agony knowing what he was going to face. It says this, it says he withdrew about a stone's throw beyond them, beyond the disciples and he knelt down and he prayed. Jesus chooses solitude in times of distress all these places where Jesus pulls back. Jesus himself, the son of God, who we think, well, he's probably got all the energy in the world. He needed to pull back, he needed it. It was a part of his life, it was a part of his mission, it was a part of his plan. He knew that he needed time to often, often, to listen to God the Father. So he stepped back and he listened. And and here's the thing, like when it comes to listening for us, we have that opportunity too, but it's it's just that we kind of get it wrong. Like like we, we often get it, Wrong. I think there are two bad approaches. Um, One of them is this, it's all leading and no intellect. In in other words, uh, we operate out of like, it's all about about, uh, the leading of the Holy Spirit and no intellect, and so you stop using the power of the mind and you sort of say, "It's it's all the Holy Spirit. Here's how it works in my profession. It's like if somebody were to, to kind of get up behind the pulpit, right? Like my, in, in my profession, it's, it's sort of like saying, I'm just going with the spirit. Like I'm not gonna prepare, I'm not gonna do any of that. I'm just going with, with the spirit and he's gonna tell me what to say, which is fine. I, be, I believe in the Holy Spirit. I believe he can lead us and guide us. But my response is that the Holy Spirit is just as present in my preparation as he is up here on stage with me right now. And I'm all for sensing the moving of the Holy Spirit, right? and go in there, but if I don't prepare as well as I can ahead of time, I'm not using my brain and I'm really being lazy and negligent is honestly what, what, what is happening. So, so some of us err on the side of all leading and no intellect, but the second thought is, is the opposite and it's equally not good. It's really going with all me and no spirit. Like, like all me and no spirit. And, and the typical approach to this is saying, God used to do this stuff back in Bible days. He used to speak, but he's silent now. So I guess this life is up to me. Like I guess it's just all me and no Holy Spirit. Each of those approaches is extreme and unbiblical. It's not all prompting, all leading and no intellect, and it's, and it's not all me and no spirit. So here's, here's the question. As you begin to explore this, what do you do when you hear something, <laughs> right? What do you do when you hear something and you think, this might be, this might be God. Like, what do you do when, when that happens? And, and here's your next steps today, by the way. Like, here's your steps today. Here's your action plan. When I slow down and I listen, and I begin to listen, and, I, and then I feel a prompting, how do I know it's God? 
Don't you ask that sometimes? How do I know that it's God? Jesus invites his followers to like to step back, to pull back and listen and hear because he knew how important this was gonna be. He knew how important it was going to be for them to hear from God. And it's like, how do you know when you're wondering, is that God or is that like the burrito from Taco Bell that I ate late last night, all right? Which one is it? Because I'm not sure what I'm feeling right now is from God or not. Here are some questions for you to ask, all right? Here's some questions for you to ask yourself. The first question is this, is it consistent with scripture? Is it consistent with the Bible? Because God will not contradict himself. And if you think that um, like he's telling you, for instance, to, to steal something or to start a new religion, all right, just, just uh, check the Bible, all right? Check the Bible first because he will always lead you towards something that's in line with what the scriptures say. And if you're not quite sure what the scriptures say, ask a friend who knows the Bible really well. Am I on point with this? Am I on track with this? Is this leading that I'm feeling, this prompting that I'm feeling consistent with the scripture. God's not gonna contradict himself. The second thing is this. Is it consistent with God's gifts? In other words, is it consistent with the way that God has gifted me? God's leadings are usually, I'll just say usually, consistent with the person that he made you to be. For instance, if you're in general a person who's really uncomfortable with children, like you don't like to talk to them, you don't like to be around them, they make you uncomfortable, he's probably not going to lead you to be a teacher. I'm just saying. Like he's probably not going to lead you to be a teacher. He might. He might. But to this point, it would probably be inconsistent with the way that he has gifted you to be. Doesn't mean he won't invite you to go down a new road, uh, but typically he wants you to use your gifts more effectively. Like that's how he's trying to lead you, to use your gifts that you already have even more effectively. And if, and if you sense, hey, I think God is kind of leading me in this opposite direction, this, this place that I, I is uh, apart from my, like different from my gifts and different from who God made you, all I would say to you in that moment is just be careful. Like test this carefully, and I would ask a couple of questions. Is he asking you this because no one else can do it? Because there's literally no one else. Okay, that might be a good reason for you to do what he's calling you to do. Is he trying to stretch you in your unique gifts? And if that's the answer that's yes, then that might be the thing that he's calling you to do. Or, or, is it just a distraction, right? Like, is it just a distraction from the tasks that he's already given? Is it consistent with God's gifts? It's a good question to ask. The third question is, is this. Does it ask me to grow in my servanthood? Is, is this leading, is this prompting, inviting me to grow in my servanthood or is it self-serving? You know, when it's winter around here and it's cold outside, there's times where I feel like maybe God is leading me to plant a church in Hawaii. <laughs> Anybody wanna go do that with me? You down? Maybe God's speaking through you. Love Honolulu. All right, I'm feeling that. Um, but if you're leading, the leading that you experience, the leading that you feel is, uh, it leads you to like an easy path to money or fame or, or more stuff, watch out. Because I really believe this too. I'm not sure I can scientifically prove this, but I believe that this is true. Prosperity has ruined more people than adversity. Prosperity has ruined more people than adversity. Leading from the Holy Spirit Inevitably, inevitably invites you and me to humble ourselves. So it's gonna invite you to humble yourself 
It's gonna invite you to potentially encourage somebody else. It's gonna invite you, this leading, potentially to serve somebody else. It's gonna invite you potentially to give something away. It's gonna invite you to be humble. Does it ask me to grow this leading in my servanthood? Paul shares this, uh, this time in his life where he had this prompting, he had this leading, he shares it in the book of Acts, but it's to the church of Ephesus. He's talking to the leaders in Ephesus and he says it like this. He says, now compelled by the Spirit, I'm going to Jerusalem not knowing what will happen to me there. And I only know, he goes on, that in every city the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. Paul was being asked to sacrifice for the kingdom's sake. Not every leading from God is gonna involve pain and sacrifice, but, but here's the thing. God led Jesus to a cross, not a crown. God led Jesus to a cross and not a crown. His invitation is often gonna invite us into servanthood that feels like it's more difficult than we can handle. But the cross, right? The cross proved to be the gateway to freedom, the gateway to forgiveness, the gateway to the forgiveness of every sinner in the world as they respond and God asks his followers to carry a cross too. He invites us to carry a cross too. But what you will find when you do, and it's so amazing, it's so ironic, what you will find when you do is freedom and joy and fulfillment. As you, when you carry this cross, when you respond to his leading. Let me just stop and say this again. I mean, uh, he, he may be leading some of you to take the step of um, baptism right now, a public declaration of your faith. Is that comfortable? No. Does that serve you well? No. Does it serve the community well? Yes. Because we get to be encouraged by you. Don't miss that step today. God led Jesus to a cross and not a crown. So um, I had breakfast with a friend a few years ago, just closing with this story. I had breakfast with a friend a few years ago who was struggling with his faith and um, struggling with Jesus and the gospel and all kinds of questions, right? And I love those conversations. And we were sitting at this breakfast place in Davidson, and I just felt this prompting, right? Like this leading to take a napkin and pull out my pen and draw a picture for him as clearly as I could, the best way I know how to explain the gospel. The clearest way that I know how to explain the gospel, it's called the bridge illustration, you can look it up. But it's the clearest way that I know how to, how to explain it. And it was just these two adults sitting there drawing pictures on napkins. And we talked about it a little more and he kind of took it away with him and I just kept thinking, I wonder what's happening with that, right? I wonder if that was worth it. I wonder if that was just weird, right? Was that just, was that just a weird thing? But uh, I saw him a couple months ago at this wedding and he pulled me aside and he said, hey, uh, Gerald, you know what? I still have that napkin from our breakfast and I still look at it. And, and, and that conversation like, like, no one has explained Christianity like that to me before. And, and we just had this incredible interaction, and I just, again, was reminded that God leads us in places for his purposes, and we might know what they are and we might not, but here's what I believe. I know that God is gonna use that little thing as a part, just a part, but a significant part of his story of faith in Jesus. So, if you want this authenticity to your faith, 
where it's not just all the external stuff, it's not just the outward stuff. You gotta ruthlessly elim eliminate hurry from your life. You gotta ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. If you wanna be a real follower of Jesus, um, that's not optional. That's not optional. You'll be more involved in the mission than you ever dreamed possible and more connected with Jesus than you ever have been before. That's just the truth. As we open up our inner world, as we slow down, and I just believe that the things that we slow down, like, like slowing down, we're gonna give up some things as we do, but when you slow down, that's something that when you get to the end of your life, you are never, ever, ever going to regret. What does it demand of us? That we ruthlessly eliminate hurry from our lives. And if you're like me, there's a part of your soul that longs for that, right? That just thirsts for that. And God's inviting you to this place where he wants to meet with you and speak into your life. And it's an amazing way to live. Can I pray for us? God, I just wanna say thank you uh, that you invite us in, that you invite us into places where we can um, not only trust you and do great things on the outside and serve and give and, and love and worship and, and um, do what you're calling us to do, God, but that you, um, Father, are inviting us to the inmost places where uh, there's a place of um, meeting with you, there's a place uh, where you invite us to just sit still and be quiet, there's a place where you invite us to, um, to listen. God, would you continue to speak to us today and help us to listen to you well? And if there are those who are ready to respond in faith to you, I pray that you would um, move in their lives and that they would be able to say yes to you today. We pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks again for listening. You can find out more about Love Lake Norman at lovelkn.org. If you live in our area, we would love to have you join us on Sunday. If you're not near our church, we want to encourage you to find a life-giving church to be a part of where you live. That will be a key next step on your spiritual journey. Please take a minute, subscribe to this podcast, and keep up to date with our weekly messages. And thanks again for joining the Love Lake Norman podcast.